Hey, Bible, y'all. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Bible Y'all podcast for Saturday, December 30th. Happy National Bicarbonate of Soda Day, also known as Bacon Soda. Lowly, unassuming bacon soda, 92 cents a box at Walmart, can do darn near anything and is one of God's true miracles. But Bible Y'all Paul, why are we talking about bacon soda? Well, I just told you, miracle. You remember a couple three Januarys ago when the bee system darn near shut the whole world down over a disease with a better than 99% survival rate that they probably set loose on us in the first place, and the hypochondriac denomination of the world beast religion is still complaining there ain't enough masking up. Then there's the emission standards that's about to put the truckers out of business, and all these endless wars are threatening to cut off our supply of oil and cheap Chinese junk. And what I'm getting at is, what if the beast people finally do get their way and shut down manufacturing and shipping and put another 60 or so million people out of work? Walmart don't keep more than a three-day supply of nothing. You remember when everybody thought toilet paper cured the Rona and bought it all up? Well, what if everything runs out? Enter the magic dust that is baking soda. Can't get toothpaste? Baking soda will clean your teeth. You cut yourself? It's a great antiseptic. You bug bit? It stops itching. Sunburn, bacon soda. Heartburn, what do you think Tums is? Well, not bacon soda, but pretty close. It deodorizes everything from the fridge to your breath. It unclogs drains. It kills roaches and skunk stink. And it relieves the effects of tear gas. Something else that might be in high demand coming up soon. Write that one down. And that ain't even the half of it. So while y'all are out there trying to buy up all the toilet paper and shotgun shells, Use some of them Walmart cards you got for Christmas to load up on baking soda. You'll thank me later. Our reading for today is Malachi 1, 1 through 2.17, Revelation 21, 1 through 27, Psalm 149, 1 through 9, and Proverbs 31, 10 through 24. So if y'all are ready, full disclosure, baking soda won't kill Florida roaches. Nothing kills Florida roaches. They're the size of a can of Coke and can fly. Best thing for them is either birdshot or a can of hairspray and a lighter. But before we get to the reading, let's me and the squad do a review of yesterday's study. Okay, so yesterday on the 29th in the Old Testament, we read Zechariah 14, 1-21. And that starts out, Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. And the day of the Lord is literal, the day the Lord shows up, after the time of Jacob's trouble which is the 70th week of Daniel, which is what's detailed in Revelation, which we're also reading right now. And verse 2, For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, and the houses rifled, and the women ravished, and half the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. And I'm unclear on whether this refers to the Babylonian captivity or the final battle for Jerusalem. Because I was under the impression that the kings of the earth didn't prevail against Jerusalem in the last days. But I guess I was wrong. Because if it's the Babylonian captivity, it doesn't make sense. But the next section is definitely the return of Jesus. It says, Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. Well, when did the Lord fight in battle? Well, Jericho, for one, when he told Joshua he was the captain of the Lord's host and to take off his shoes because he was on hallowed ground. Or the Red Sea. Or the conquest of Canaan. Or Beth Horon and probably a hundred other places we don't even know anything about. Yeah. In verse 4, And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem, on the east, 
and the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west. And there shall be a very great valley, and half of the mountain shall remove towards the north, and half of it toward the south. And ye shall flee to the valley of the mountains, for the valley of the mountains shall reach unto Azal. Yea, ye shall flee, like as ye fled from before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah king of Judah. And the Lord my God shall come, and all the saints with thee. So, right after the marriage supper, Jesus returns with all his saints, that's us, to the Mount of Olives. And soon as his feet touch down, it splits in two with a great earthquake. And it turns out there actually is a fault line running east and west right through the middle of the Mount of Olives, just waiting for the pressure of one foot to set it off. And verse 6 and 7 talk about it being light out at nighttime. And that could be some kind of natural cosmic phenomenon, but I kind of think it's because God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And verse 8, And it shall be in that day that living waters shall go out from Jerusalem, half of them toward the former sea, and half of them toward the hinder sea. In summer and in winter shall it be. And Jesus is the living water, but I think this is both literal water and spiritual water. Verse 9, And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day shall there be one Lord, and his name one. So, amen. And verse 10 says, And the land shall be turned as a plain, etc. And some say that's literal, that the mountains will flatten out. But Judea is a type of the whole earth, and I think this refers to how the earth will finally be fruitful once Jesus comes back. And verse 12, And this shall be the plague wherewith the Lord will smite all the people that have fought against Jerusalem. Their flesh shall consume away while they stand upon their feet, and their eyes shall consume away in their holes, and their tongue shall consume away in their mouth. And this is exactly what happens when you fire off a neutron bomb. And some say that's what this is. And other commentaries try to allegorize the whole thing as like spiritual blindness and starving for the word of the Lord or some such. I lean more toward the neutron bomb, but I don't know why Jesus would need one. It's probably more like that scene from Raiders of the Lost Ark where all the Nazis melted. Probably about like that. Verse 14, And Judah also shall fight at Jerusalem. And so shall be the plague of the horse, of the mule, of the camel, and of the ass, and of all the beasts that shall be in these tents as this plague. So the animals suffering in the plague, that sounds more like nuclear bombs. But the next section spells out how the Feast of Tabernacles will be the only feast celebrated in the millennial reign. The other two mandatory feasts, Passover and Pentecost, are not mentioned because they've been fulfilled. And it's mandatory for everybody to celebrate this feast or you don't get any rain. Except for Egypt, who gets all their irrigation from the Nile and not from rain. But God has a workaround. Anyway, verse 20. In that day shall there be upon the bells of the horses holiness unto the Lord. And the pots in the Lord's house shall be like the bowls before the altar. Yea, every pot in Jerusalem and in Judah shall be holiness unto the Lord of hosts. And all they that sacrifice shall come and take of them, and seed therein. And in that day there shall be no more Canaanite in the house of the Lord of hosts. And the idea here is, the bowls before the altar are holy, and regular pots are not. But when Jesus returns, all things are holy. Everything in Jerusalem is holy when Jesus reigns. And that's the end of that book. Amen. And then in the New Testament, we read Revelation 20, 1-15. And we just went through the final battle when Jesus returns with his bride. Now, verse 1, And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years, and cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years should be fulfilled. 
and after that he must be loosed a little season. And bottomless pit could be poetic language for just a long way down, or it could be the center of the earth, where no matter which way you go, it's up, or it could be some kind of multidimensional universe thing. But whatever, he's not here. And verse 4, And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. And I'm not positive who they is. It's either the martyrs or it's all of us. I'm thinking it's all of us because the whole church reigns, but it's worded in such a way that I'm not sure. But the rest of the dead live not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years. And the church will be in that one. But the rest of everybody stays dead until the end of the thousand years. Verse 7, And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison, and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth. Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. So how can Gog still be alive after a thousand years? It's because he's a demon king. Remember Amos 7.1 in the Septuagint, the king of the locusts? Anyway, verse 9, And they went up on the breadth of the earth, and compassed the camp of the saints about, and the beloved city. And fire came down from God out of heaven, and devoured them. So some say, even after a thousand years of perfect rule, there's enough evil in the heart of man that given an opportunity, he'll still rebel. Or Satan can still deceive people anyway. And verse 10, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. The beast and the false prophet didn't get let out. They're still in there. Verse 11, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, according to their works. So what books? I heard of the book of life, but what else are we tracking? I guess works. Works and words. And before God can usher in his new heavens and new earth, he must finally deal with sin. And that's what he's going to do at the great white throne. And verse 13, And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. So everybody gets resurrected at the white throne judgment. Verse 14, And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. So hell is not the lake of fire. They're two different things. Death and hell are cast into the lake of fire. So what's that about? That's a radical concept. In verse 15, And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So does that mean some of these second resurrection people might also be in the book of life? If so, why were they not in the first resurrection? Or am I way off with that? Yeah, many questions, few answers. So here's an observation. Like Jesus, the martyrs have scars. How else would John describe them as having been beheaded? I bet faithful scars are things of beauty in heaven. And the good news is Jesus is coming for us and to set things right. We need to do our mission while watching for his return, do justice, love mercy, walk humbly, aka walk in love, which is God, walking in God, staying in the vine so we aren't caught unawares, not entangled in the affairs of life. And then in Psalms, we read Psalm 148, 1-14. And the author of this psalm is unknown, but it probably goes with the last couple. 
I mean, technically the author is God, but you know what I'm saying. And it's a praise psalm, but it's instructing all the host of heaven to praise God also, which is kind of bold. They probably don't need to be told, but still, it's a cool idea. It says, praise ye him, all his angels. Praise ye him, all his hosts. Praise ye him, sun and moon. Praise him, all ye stars of light. Praise him, ye heavens of heavens, and ye waters that be above the heavens. Remember in Genesis 1-7 where it says, God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament? I say the firmament is the three-dimensional universe, because even empty space has physical properties, and there's something outside of the universe that is best represented as water. Maybe it's the living water, which would make all of this just thoughts in the mind of God. So, whoa. And he tells mountains, trees, and beasts, and people, and all to praise God. And he tells the dragons of the deep to praise God. Does that mean sea monsters or some such? Or does that refer to the fallen angels? Because even though they're fallen, they still have to follow orders. But I'm probably wrong about that, too. Mm. So much magnificence to praise God for when we get our eyes off ourselves in the natural world. And then in Proverbs, we read Proverbs 31, 8 and 9. And that says, Open thy mouth for the dumb in the cause of all such as are appointed to destruction. Open thy mouth, judge righteously, and plead the cause of the poor and needy. And this is Lem's mom still giving advice. She's saying it's the king's duty to speak for those who can't and stick up for those with no power. Yep, solid advice for a king or a king-to-be or a child of a god, maybe. But that's the end of our review of yesterday's study. Thanks for your help, babe. Our reading in the Old Testament for December 30th is Malachi 1.1 through 2.17. The Book of Malachi The burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. I have loved you, saith the Lord. Yet ye say, Wherein hast thou loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, saith the Lord? Yet I loved Jacob, and I hated Esau, and laid his mountains and his heritage waste for the dragons of the wilderness. Whereas Edom saith, We are impoverished, but we will return and build the desolate places. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, They shall build, but I will throw down. And they shall call them the border of wickedness, and the people against whom the Lord hath indignation forever. And your eyes shall see, and ye shall say, The Lord will be magnified from the border of Israel. A son honoreth his father, and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is mine honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear? Sayeth the Lord of hosts unto you, O priests, that despise my name. And ye say, Wherein have we despised thy name? Ye offer polluted bread upon mine altar. And ye say, Wherein have we polluted thee? In that ye say, The table of the Lord is contemptible. And if ye offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And if ye offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it now unto thy governor. Will he be pleased with thee, or accept thy person? Sayeth the Lord of hosts. And now I pray you, beseech God, that he will be gracious unto us. This hath been by your means. Will he regard your persons? Saith the Lord of hosts. Who is there even among you that would shut the doors for naught? Neither do ye kindle fire on mine altar for naught. I have no pleasure in you, saith the Lord of hosts. Neither will I accept an offering at your hand. For from the rising of the sun, even unto the going down of the same, my name shall be great among the Gentiles, and in every place incense shall be offered unto my name, and a pure offering. For my name shall be great among the heathen, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye have profaned it, in that ye say, The table of the Lord is polluted, and the fruit thereof, even his meat, is contemptible. Ye said also, Behold, what a weariness is it! And ye have snuffed at it, saith the Lord of hosts. And ye brought that which was torn, and the lame, and the sick. Thus ye brought an offering. 
Should I accept this of your hand, saith the Lord? But cursed be the deceiver, which hath in his flock a male, and voweth and sacrificeth unto the Lord a corrupt thing. For I am a great king, saith the Lord of hosts, and my name is dreadful among the heathen. Chapter 2 And now, O ye priests, this commandment is for you. If ye will not hear, and if ye will not lay it to heart, to give glory unto my name, saith the Lord of hosts, I will even send a curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. Yea, I have cursed them already, because ye do not lay it to heart. Behold, I will corrupt your seed, and spread dung upon your faces, even the dung of your solemn feasts, and one shall take you away with it. And ye shall know that I have sent this commandment unto you, that my covenant might be with Levi, saith the Lord of hosts. My covenant was with him of life and peace, and I gave them to him for the fear wherewith he feared me, and was afraid before my name. The law of truth was in his mouth, and iniquity was not found in his lips. He walked with me in peace and equity, and did turn many away from iniquity. For the priest's lips should keep knowledge, and they should seek the law at his mouth. For he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. But ye are departed out of the way. Ye have caused many to stumble at the law. Ye have corrupted the covenant of Levi, saith the Lord of hosts. Therefore have I also made you contemptible, and base before all the people, according as ye have not kept my ways, but have been partial in the law. Have we not all one Father? Hath not one God created us? Why do we deal treacherously every man against his brother, by profaning the covenant of our fathers? Judah hath dealt treacherously, and an abomination is committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. For Judah hath profaned the holiness of the Lord which he loved, and hath married the daughter of a strange god. The Lord will cut off the man that doeth this, the master and the scholar, out of the tabernacles of Jacob, and him that offereth an offering unto the Lord of hosts. And this have ye done again, covering the altar of the Lord with tears, with weeping, and with crying out, insomuch that he regardeth not the offering any more, or receiveth it with good will at your hand. Yet ye say, Wherefore? Because the Lord hath been witness between thee and the wife of thy youth, against whom thou hast dealt treacherously. Yet is she thy companion, and the wife of thy covenant. And did not he make one? Yet had he the residue of the Spirit. And wherefore one? That he might seek a godly seed. Therefore take heed to your spirit, and let none deal treacherously against the wife of his youth. For the Lord, the God of Israel, saith that he hateth putting away. For one covereth violence with his garment, saith the Lord of hosts. Therefore take heed to your spirit, that ye deal not treacherously. Ye have wearied the Lord with your words. Yet ye say, Wherein have we wearied him? When ye say, Every one that doeth evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delighteth in them. Or, Where is the God of judgment? Our reading in the New Testament for December 30th is Revelation 21, 1-27. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. 
and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful and unbelieving, and the abominable, and murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars, shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And there came unto me one of the seven angels which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will shew thee the bride, the lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain, and shewed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. And her light was like unto a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal, and had a wall great and high, and had twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels, and names written thereon, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. On the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and in them the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city, and the gates thereof, and the wall thereof. And the city lieth four square, and the length is as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, twelve thousand furlongs. The length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. And he measured the wall thereof, an hundred and forty and four cubits according to the measure of a man, that is, of the angel. And the building of the wall of it was of jasper, and the city was pure gold, like unto clear glass. And the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third a chalcedony, the fourth an emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardius, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth a topaz, the tenth a chrysoprasus, the eleventh a jacinth, the twelfth an amethyst, and the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Every several gate was of one pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold, as it were transparent glass. And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it. And the Lamb is the light thereof, and the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there, and they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination, or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. Our reading in Psalms for December 30th is Psalm 149, 1-9. Praise ye the Lord, sing unto the Lord a new song, and his praise in the congregation of saints. Let Israel rejoice in him that made him. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Let them praise his name in the dance. Let them sing praises unto him with the timbrel and harp. For the Lord taketh pleasure in his people. He will beautify the meek with salvation. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud upon their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth, and a two-edged sword in their hand, to execute vengeance upon the heathen and punishments upon the people, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute upon them the judgment written. This honor have all his saints. Praise ye the Lord. And our reading in Proverbs for December 30th is Proverbs 31, 10 through 24. Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her, so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeketh wool and flax, and worketh willingly with her hands. She is like the merchant ships. She bringeth her food from afar. She riseth also while it is yet night 
and giveth meat to her household, and a portion to her maidens. She considereth a field, and buyeth it. With the fruit of her hand she planteth a vineyard. She girdeth her loins with strength, and strengtheneth her arms. She perceiveth that her merchandise is good. Her candle goeth not out by night. She layeth her hands to the spindle, and her hands hold the distaff. She stretcheth out her hand to the poor. Yea, she reacheth forth her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She maketh herself coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is silk and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. She maketh fine linen and selleth it, and delivereth girls unto the merchant. And that'll do it for the 30th. All right, y'all, let's do our 30-second meditation. I heard this guy preach one time that not only should we repent of the things that we did, but also the things that we would have done if we'd have thought of it. And that got me thinking about all the prayers we should have said this year and didn't. So if you want to, hit the 30-second back button on your podcast player a few times and meditate with me on things that might have been, because prayer is the heavy artillery in the armor of God. So if you're ready, let's go. Father God, you alone know the end from the beginning. You see what is, what is not, and what should be. So on this 364th day of the year, we come before you to ask if there is any prayer we left unsaid, anything we should have given thanks for but did not, anyone who needed our intercession but we did not give it, any blessing we failed to bestow, anything we should have prayed against but instead allowed to fester. Father, forgive us for what we should have done and please answer the prayers we should have made. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, that's all the Bible yallin' I got for you tonight. Thank you, Father, for letting us study your word and for the gift of salvation through your Son, Jesus Christ. Please bless and keep everybody listening and let this podcast be helpful to them somehow. Amen. You can find us on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon, Google CastBox, and Facebook. If you like what we're doing and you want to support it, what I really need is for y'all to pray. For me and Bible Y'all Squall and all our friends and family. And for all y'all praying for Dusty and his poor little boxer dog, the puppy is getting better a little bit at a time, so keep it up. If you got anything you want us to pray for you about, email me at BibleYallPodcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, just go on out and try to make the world a better place. And if you ain't going to do that, if you could try not to make it any worse, we'd all appreciate it. Thanks, everybody, and God bless y'all. Hey, Bible, y'all. And the good news is Jesus come. So much magnificence to. No. And that says, "Open thy mouth for the dumb, in the cause of all such are a." Uh...